0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Hi, Eden. Hi, Ioni. And hello to the listeners. Welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ioni, and I'm the founding editor-in-chief of Polyester and the author of Poor Little Sit Girls. And I'm Eden. I'm the managing editor of Polyester and the co-host of this podcast. It's is The Sleepover Club, a feminist pop culture podcast and you become a part of the hashtag discourse in the hope of making some sense of it all. Before
2: we get started, please like, rate, review and subscribe. Ioni, do we have any reviews? Yeah, we do. Um, but they're in a different place.
1: Five stars getting me through. I'm dealing with a head injury and I'm not supposed to look at screens. So I've been making my way through this podcast while I rest. I like how fun and unpretentious this is. You talk about interesting things that I think about and flesh them out. And makes me laugh. Thank you, Smiley Face. That is by Hemmily. Is that how you'd say it? Yeah. Hi, hi, Millie. Hi, In the UK. Thank you very much. Thank you. We also have some very, lots of exciting news today. We do. We have just launched a new print zine. We're saying bye-bye to girl bosses in collaboration with Squarespace, the all-in-one platform
2: for creatives that we use to create our own website. The zine features Toshifah, uh, Nadine from Pussy Palace, and loads of other amazing people and creatives that we love. Um, you can get your free copy in the episode description. If they're not sold out. If, well, they, I think they are going to be sold out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but all of the content is also
2: free to peruse, browse yeah. on the website. And, oh my god, there's so many things. Uh, so many things. And we've got Discord now as well, Podcast Discord. If you like the podcast, you can sign up for 2 250, two fifty. 50 I months? think it's two fifty. I don't know. It's, 250 it's, it's a little... You can join the Discord, me and Ione and lots of other polyester girlies and gals and guys and everyone in between. And you can chat with us and it's fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the riot strike. Yeah. It's
1: pretty really confusing
2: for me. <laughs> really. Like, oh, my God. when well, I was reading the research. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. The research was like, so dense. Oh, uh, you're
1: reading the research and I just don't understand it. So many numbers. Um. So the writers are on strike, as in... Go
2: on, tell us about it, Eden. The writers have gone on strike because... Oh, we're going to sound so stupid in this episode. It's like, Why? Because we don't actually understand the ins and outs, the technical terms Or like... but well, basically, there was a dispute about... P- writers' pay being increased because the use of AI is now rampant everywhere, and also streaming services have completely changed the way that the writing world works. And nothing has really been disputed for like a couple of years about these kind of things. And when they wanted to talk about AI, the basically the, not the, the not the union, but the people that are in charge in charge of like increasing people's wages and stuff, can't remember the called. Like the exact, they said no. yeah, they were like, We're not we're not gonna dispute this, like we don't want to talk about it. And that's why those people have gone on strike because they're like, well, it needs to be discussed. So yeah, there is <laughs>
1: um so what is a writer's strike? So let's just start at the beginning. A writer's strike is all TV and film writers are on strike. Mm-hmm. Simple as. So, there's no new scripts being written, there's no new scripts being sold, being put into production, a lot of productions are halting.
2: Yeah, what's the, um, Severance, oh, the person that wrote that fucking headline, get a grip, the person that wrote something. Severance was, has been severed. Oh, I was like, sure oh, do you think you're funny? Do you think <laughs> Why? You're funny? Because it's just annoying, because it's like, you know, people's, people's jobs are, not feels life, it's like, people's lives are at stake, people's jobs are at stake, and... Also, I really like Severance, so I'm really looking forward to these season. <laughs> yeah, Severance has been severed from production. So following the writer's strike and Rumours of Trial behind the scenes, they halted production indefinitely because they haven't even like begun to, to finish writing a story. So,
1: until. well, exactly. A lot of productions are shutting down, not because they don't have the scripts ready, but kind of in like solidarity, or they're mm. saying that, you know the writing doesn't end when the script is finalized like a lot of stuff happens between them there a lot of like little changes are made on set and so a lot of productions are just not moving forward for example like did you see success you know succession has like books of its scripts does it yeah i saw Mm -hmm. someone shared a like screen grab and it was the end scene of season three where spoiler Tom puts his, like, hand on Shiv and is mm-hmm. like, "You okay. And it's not that in the script. Like, Ooh. that happened on the day with, like, changes yeah. from the writers and from the actors. Yeah. Um, so it's basically, like, none of that can happen now, obviously. But what I thought was really interesting is that the WGA, which is the Writers Guild Association, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't just span tv it's also radio streaming news online media non-fiction podcasts non-fiction tv and public tv Mm. so those people can stay working but they can't sell any scripts or options to a company that isn't so it's like limiting you even if you're not on strike yeah Yeah. and because of like the nature of the business it means you're just not getting paid like Mm. these people don't have contracts with you know, they don't have contracts with Netflix specifically, like they're yeah. working job to job kind of thing. It's so Yeah, like kind of like freelance. Well it is freelance, isn't it? Unless yeah. you're like even if you're consigned to like full show though, because that'll stop, your
2: pay will stop. Yeah. But then the th- the interesting point that loads of loads of the stuff about since the last strike is that T V has changed so much, like T V series are shorter and like just everything's changed. Like streaming has redefined everything. Like you can't just write a twenty season show on, like, a like a cable network and just, like, live off that. Exactly.
1: Well, a lot of it has to do with residual. Well, last time a lot of it had to do with residuals, and mm. it has to do with streaming residuals this time, right? Yeah. So a residual is, like, a payment you get if something re-airs. Yeah. So, like, for example, Layton Meester, she will get residuals. <laughs>
2: Gossip Girl, girls
1: Girl. right. She will get residuals from Gossip Girl if it then airs on HBO, like mm-hmm. as in HBO, the channel, because mm-hmm. HBO Max have it now. I know Gossip Girl was a CW mm-hmm. show in the day. But then, because of streaming, that changed how residuals happened. Because you can't just get... Because there's no such thing as reruns anymore, right? Well, yeah, well there because, is, but as in no one watches live television. Yeah,
2: yeah, because people... It, doesn't, it didn't count people like, re-watching stuff on Netflix or re-watching stuff on streaming sites. So that got rid of that kind of source of income, I guess. Yeah, so... That applies to actors, writers,
1: pretty much anyone that's been involved in mm. a production. Anyway, it is very <laughs> meaty, complicated. We're probably not the best people to explain. We don't know. Up the striking workers, obviously. Oh, yeah. But I think what is most interesting is like how it affects culture. Mm-hmm. Like, Indeed. Because I feel like also with Rob writers' strike, so 2007 was... Well, the first writer's strike that we were alive for was the 1998, was it? Or was that 1988? Okay, I yeah, 1988. Right Sorry. I think <laughs>
2: that might have been about, like, the introduction of cable TV. I'm not sure. I'm not very well versed in the 1988 writer's strike. The long and the short of it is that
1: entertainment biz- industries are really shit at catching up with... <laughs> Um, advancements in their industry well, and yeah, seem to like, never see it coming. And yeah. they're like,
2: oh, like they're fucking about streaming sites that have been around for like fucking 10 years. 12 years, years yeah, yeah, if
1: not longer. So they're really like slow to accept advancements. But mm. obviously, that works in their favor because they're paying the people that actually make the shows less and the executives and the networks end up getting more. But I think <clears> there was a stat that you put in, yeah, you put in your research. So According to the WGA's calculations, industry profits have ballooned from 5 billion in 2000 to 28 to 30 billion from 2017 to 2021, Mm. which is just bananas. But no one's one's wages have gone up. No one's wages have gone up. Like with inflation, um, any rise in wage still actually counts as a 14% pay cut. Right. You can see why people are. Annoyed. I feel like most people are kind of overfaced uh, with striking over- since it's <laughs> all that's been going on in the UK for the past year.
2: Yeah, like this yeah. is
1: happening across every single industry. Like it's the same with nurses, doctors, um, train people. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: train, <laughs> if you train, work the train, train like,
1: that's happening. To you. <laughs> um, but it's obviously interesting because like you wouldn't obviously film and TV is a massive industry, but as in like it's nowhere near the same here as it is in America. So I feel like it wouldn't really, it would have an effect here, but not the same effect. Yeah. Like, there has been, been, been a huge cultural it. impact, like Pete yeah. Davidson going and giving pizza. And then did yeah. you see Then someone really embarrassing tried to go with donuts to, like, Who? be the nice guy? I can't remember, but it's someone really embarrassing, okay. and like, not cute, like Pete. And everyone was not like, cute. right. I mean, um, the support has been there. And then did you see Mandy What's yeah. His name? yeah, I love him. Yeah, Thomas. giving a very Lynchian quote. Yeah. You know, there's that David Lynch quote that's like, fix your heart or die. What did he say? It, he was like, these are, the pe- these are the beating heart of our industry. We love them. No, these are the people that write the stories that make our hearts beat. Wow. Very the Nicole Kidman for fans. AMC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you'd,
2: think if, you'd be pissed off if you lived in Hollywood and you're literally being treated as like, uh, a jo- not like a joke, but like, you're part of one of the biggest industries in America, and you're like on like pittance and also when like the writers provide jobs for like so many more people as well like everyone that works on that show like lighting runners production like costume it's like i know that the show or even like catering yeah the show isn't just created with a writer but like the ideas of them pretty much like Mm. you'd be livid i think they have every right to strike Ooh, we support
1: them ooh, ooh, ooh. but so I got Eden to unearth this like pop bitch oh three parter oh because so I literally odd. think about it all the time even I did an interview with one of our upcoming cover girlies and was talking to her about it because remember when I saw it on the internet it literally just blew
2: my mind it, yeah I had to pay three pounds to read this it's worth every single penny <laughs> it's so good like when he said this to me last night I was like oh my god this is this is one of the best things I've ever read and I'm you know, a conspiracy theorist and the, it's, a, it's about conspiracy theory that the writer's strike in 2007 is responsible for Donald Trump becoming president mm-hmm. in 2016 but it's not a conspiracy because every single thing accounted for. in it is true and accounted for <laughs> it's fucking bananas like I'm like oh my god I went so deep down the rabbit hole but it's amazing well obviously in 2007 we
1: were 13 right yeah ish. Ish. Yeah. So it's kind of like a formative time for us in terms yeah. of television as well. And I didn't, when I was really looking over this and stuff, obviously, we didn't have the Celebrity Apprentice here, or I don't watch it, because I don't well, watch something like that when <laughs> I was 13 years old. But so much of the reality, like so much of the TV is reality TV that uh, is like formative to us mm-hmm. growing up. Big brother. Because of the writer's strike. But even like The O.C. and then Laguna Beach and The Hills probably came out of it in some way, like semi-scripted, non-scripted game shows like The Apprentice type, elimination shows all came from TV execs turning around and going like, well, we have to make something, like Mm -hmm. we're not just going to stop.
2: Yeah. Which is very interesting. Would you like to run us through the theory? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're ready for the theory? Um, it actually started, I mean, this, the, the Pop Bitch thing, it's called A Tale of Two Strikes, it's on Pop Bitch. It's de- It's dense, like, you know, it's, it's very, very long. But basically, reality TV started because it's cheaper to produce than anything else, so when well, there wasn't anyone writing. So it starts in 1988 with the writer's strike then. Fox News had just started two years before that, so they were like in the shit. They were like, we need to find a hit because we're competing with the three, those three other big uh, networks in America. Uh, I can't remember who they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like CNN. Uh, I don't know, I didn't write it down. Anyway, Fox News were trying to compete with the big three, those three big networks in America. They just launched two years before, so they were like, we need a hit. Then this guy, uh, who was, like, a documentary maker, he was trying to make, like, shock documentary stuff. He had the idea of Cops, where he was like, Cops, there's no script, there's no script writers, we don't need a voiceover, we don't need storyboarding, uh, and it would just film real life. And the premise is that, like, America's not going to stop doing crimes, so we're going to have, like, endless material to work with. It was a massive hit uh, because it was very... It, was, it was, The format is just, like the police officer finds the bad guy, then charges the bad guy and then that's it and then we on to the next one. It's pretty, you know, it's easy to twist that narrative as well and make loads of people complaining because it made the cops look like more, more competent than what they actually yep. were. But it was a huge hit 30 years later. It's like the longest running series in history.
1: And there's so much of that in the UK, like um, 911, yeah. watch your
2: emergency? Uh, all of those. 24,000 police cops 24 hours in A&E. 24 hours in A&E uh, traffic cops. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's like animals. all those tv
2: channels on free that you like go to dave yeah, yeah yeah like friday night in like bloody loughborough town center yeah, 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 trying yeah. To see if we can get some gang up some ruffians but like but it's just it writes itself because people are always going to be doing illegal shit um then so that's like to kind of set the basis for reality then the apprentice comes along and i didn't know this the apprentice the Donald Trump one was before the Alan Sugar one. I kind of guessed, but I didn't know. It really. Yeah, no, yeah, it was. They did a year after the Donald Trump one. Yeah. And then um, the Alan Sugar one came a year later. Mm. The Apprentice. I'm sure everyone listening knows what The Apprentice is, but it's just a reality TV show about business people that when you get to the end of it, you get £100,000 to set up your own business. It's very funny. Just like idiot business people. But Donald Trump was on that. He was the,
1: like, the Alan Sugar, so like the person you'd end up being the apprentice of, like, being the intern for. Um, And it really wasn't doing very well, Mm -hmm. apparently. So, just before the 2007 writer's strike, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, just before the 2007 writer's strike, they were going to nix it. Um, And then suddenly, like, the writer's strike happened. They had nothing to put on their network and they still had Trump in contract for a year. So, they said, okay, well, why don't we just do Celebrity Apprentice? Um, It became a huge hit. And, like, Loads of the article goes into as well how it kind of really cemented Trump as a competent businessman, even though he really he wasn't. wasn't. Yeah.
2: Well, he was he was struggling himself in business. You know, he had to like he was basically relying on his name to like brand everything, but he wasn't doing that well financially. But obviously, they were like, "Well, we'll fluff your ego, make you look like a competent businessman." And he was like, "Okay, cool." So the reason why people think that he is is because this fucking reality TV program made it look like he was when he wasn't. Yeah, he was rehabilitated. through reality television it's fucking crazy and to think that like if you just said the sentence "Reality
0: hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you
2: is responsible for Trump becoming president you sound like a crazy person but <laughs> or you sound like you're a fantasist but this this is so in depth that it like the the steps are there like, yeah it's crazy that they basically repackaged and like you said rehabil- rehabilitated Trump in the public eye to make him seem like he was a competent businessman and that like made people believe in him and he wasn't at all and before we
1: like trash reality tv here would say I love reality television mm-hmm. I love a lot of re- reality TV I think it is a you know valid form of television mm-hmm. yeah I think it's a very valid art form lol but another really good point that's in your research and I think it's in yeah it's in the pop bitch stuff I think where it's basically talking about how reality TV is kind of to blame for our breaking down of Reality. Of, yeah, fake, as we fake know news. It. And, like, knowing real from fake, yeah. knowing constructed versus non-constructed. I wish this interview with the person that I interviewed was out because they made really, really good points. But it will come yeah, out too. soon. Ah. They yeah. made, like, really, really good points about it. It was like, oh, sorry. It's going to be good. I'm absolutely just cock-teasing you
2: all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it is really interesting because, yeah, it's basically – Charting how, like, reality TV made us believe that characters were real people as well. So then, like, mm. at some point, obviously, post two thousand and seven writer strike, when reality TV was booming, they then did bring writers in the room, and it became constructed reality. Yeah. So, the so, for example, like one obvious example of this is like Paris Hilton and The Simple Life. Mm. Like, only this year, she's dropped her baby voice. Yeah. Um, also there's just so many others like remember like it's one of the main thing that's in my brain stuck forever is did you watch the hills yeah you know I dabbled at the very end of the hills where they zoom out and it's Brodie Jenner and it's he's like saying bye to Lauren or someone Mm I don't know and it's a set like it's a whole set and it's like (laughs) yeah Um, like the reveal
2: behind the curtain moment that it was all fake yeah um I remember nail varnish gate on the hills what's that where Lauren was having a conversation on the phone and she was, like, she was having this big old drama with Heidi and she's on the phone and she's, like, crying and then there's a cut and then she's on the phone again but her nails aren't painted anymore. So it's, like, a very clearly, like, it's a very heavily edited conversation that they've then, like, refilmed, like, the part of the conversation because... She had a completely different like manicure on. Oof. So they've come back like maybe like they've got the story at the end of the season and they've been like, "Can I need to call some more drama? Do you want to come back and we'll film this conversation again with you and Heidi and you can cry more or whatever?" And yeah, people were. I think it was on the hills. Though. It was like the nail varnish moment where people clocked that they just completely edited this whole conversation. They made it look like it was on, on, like on one day, but it wasn't at all.
1: So this is how reality TV is an art form, right? Because like no, but the thing is, I feel like if someone said to me, obviously I'm not really like an actor or performer and a lot of people that go into reality tv are like mm. Chriselle from selling sunset was an actress yeah. before she went into real estate and went on the show but like if someone said to me oh can you just recreate your argument with this person with the same like zing
2: no, no i'm not angry anymore but sometimes you can tell you can tell them like drag race like they'll be like i came here to slay the competition and like they've edited like (laughs) 10 different sentences together to make it look like they're saying like the one thing but their tone of voice is like so different like people have found out sometimes the the disparity between like one set one word of the sentence and the other word of the sentence is like fucking mental so the 2007 writer strike birthed a trump as president Mm.
1: b reality tv as we know it which is tons of it everything all the time from more documentary style mm. to
2: the Kardashians. Yeah. What were you going to say? And Piers Morgan and Alex Jones both became famous off the back of the 2007 riot strike. Basically just birthed some of the worst shit we've known. <laughs> <laughs> Which
1: <laughs> is why it's really interesting to like ponder how culture will change in this like new riot strike, I feel. Because A... We hate waiting for TV now. Like, mm-hmm. we do it for Succession. Um, I mean, we barely do it for anything else. Like, Yellow Jacket's literally, like, steamrolled out that new season. Mm-hmm. Like, things are really steam. Even us saying about Severance. Severance was out a year ago. I'm already like, oh, yeah. can't believe it's been halted. Like, Stranger Things, when it took that, like, three-year break or whatever, no one cared about it anymore. Yeah. And then it came back, and it was really good. So, was- like, people actually liked it because it was good, but... I couldn't tell you what happened in season one of Stranger Things with a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could not tell hell. you. The school, somewhere. Bar- Barb died? Did she call Barb? Who the hell's Barb? <laughs> Barb with the glasses. She was in something say? else and died in that as well. Oh God, she didn't have um, she So, yeah, Aria are, like, <laughs> but I think another really interesting advancement that's happened since the 2007 Bright Strike is self-produced content. So, Mm. like, for example, Chicken Shop Day with Amelia to Moldenburg, like, all of these people that are basically already producing, making, creating, cutting, and distributing their own TV probably aren't union members. Mm. Like, I don't know if they are or not. But, like, I think it's a really interesting case study to look at, like, Z-Way, for example, next to Amelia. Like, not not in any sort of way, competitive way, but as in, like, Z-Way went with a network, her show's now been cancelled... Amelia did it. Kept doing it herself, and it's like still
2: smashing it. Yeah.
1: So like, instead of, is this just going to prevent people from even? I don't know. Like, a networks could just go to YouTubers, content creators, and um, people that are making stuff on TikTok and give them shows. Mm. Is one possible outcome, I think.
2: But that wasn't an option in two thousand and seven.
1: Really. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. this is going to birth a new era of culture. Because, like, unfortunately, the wheel's not going to stop, do you know, I mean, people are still going to want stuff to put on television Yeah. for as long as this goes on. Obviously, what should happen is they reach the deal and all our TV shows come back next week mm. and we all have a lovely time and nothing changes. But that's not really their historical precedent. Like, no. um, it's gone on for quite a long time for both of the times. It's 100 days in, 200, in
2: 2007. And it's five months. Wow. In the 80s? How long has it been now? Oh, two weeks. <laughs> so look at look at what happened when it was, like, COVID. Like, proper, like, full-on lockdown COVID. They were putting, like, the most random shit on TV. They put on the 2012 Olympic opening ceremony because there was, like, nothing else to put on TV. Like, so we kind of experienced, like, a drought of culture, like, in 2020. But could you not... Uh, probably not.
1: But, like, you could argue that that's created the... Not Amelia, she's different, but like that's created the... That create TikTok, right? Full Pretty start. much, yeah, yeah. So then, surely the next logical step of that is TikTok creators having their own shows on actual telly.
2: Yeah, it'll go full circle.
1: Yeah, this is
2: the, this is what's going to rise up into the gap, though, isn't it? Like with the last one, it was reality TV. Now it's TV further, on our phones. Time. Yeah, yeah, that won't be on our phones anymore. They'll be on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's interesting what you said before about as well about reality TV, making us unable to distinguish between reality and fiction or what's real and what's fake because a lot of the striking is about AI as well mm-hmm. and the introduction of AI and how that's not been addressed and that AI, does AI get credit when it helps to write a TV show and all these kind of wild questions that we don't even really know the answer to is also behind the strike.
1: Right, this is obviously me being, like, smooth-brained as fuck, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I just don't think AI's going to... Like, I think, obviously, they'll try and make AI write scripts. We're underestimating how much... Like, there's lots of... For every severance and succession and The Last of Us, there's, what, like, 15 to 20 bad things. Those writers obviously still deserve jobs, like, fine. Of Mm -hmm. course they do. (laughs) You don't deserve
2: to be unemployed just because you're bad at your craft. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because you... Uh, try to write I don't know like modern family episodes or something <laughs> what's wrong with a family? family sorry <laughs> that's that's fucking AI generated comedy but when you think about something that's like a Hallmark film or like a Christmas film or something that would be very regimented in like the structure or like a, even like a rom-com you could fucking get AI, AI to write that
1: I saw a tweet the other day and it was just literally so accurate and I think this is why I'm finding AI hard to like get into my brain is that AI is not a, it's not, it's not AI. It's not intelligent. It's a, it, you feed it in content, it feeds you out content. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't create anything. It's just an amalgamation of things. It's like, it's a, what's it called, like a learning tool. Yeah. The more it learns, the better it gets because you're feeding it information constantly. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have, like, lots of good information to feed it. So you could feed AI, like, the Titanic, and it'll come out with the Titanic but on a plane. Like, yeah. that's where we're at. We're not at the point where it's thinking of, like, you know,
2: it's not thinking of amazing concepts. But but for a lot of media, it doesn't need to think of something amazing. It just needs to think of, like, trash. Like, it could be, like, a... a like it, could, it could easily write a script for, like, a Netflix Christmas film that people are going to watch once and move on with. And we, did a, we did an episode about this as well, about anti-intellectualism and about how the high and the low is kind of widening and the middle is getting bigger because there's just, like, so much rubbish out there. A lot of...
1: And a lot of the negotiations are literally about not trying to eliminate AI, but trying to establish writers' rights within AI. Um, So, for example, like, making sure they get fair pay if they're editing an AI script or adapting an AI script or, like, blah, blah, blah. There's that viral tweet going around at the moment, though. <laughs> Have you seen it? It's like, if the computers keep making art and the people keep doing the manual labour, that isn't
2: the future we want. We <laughs> dream of something better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People do get a bit soft about it, don't they? But yeah, I guess like what Mandy Pattonkin said, AI is not going to make something that's going to make our hearts beat. But a lot of culture doesn't make doesn't our hearts necessarily be. require that. Yeah, they just it's just there to be you know. Some chaff. <laughs> <sighs> this isn't a very positive episode. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, me and I only are in the room together for like the first time I've ever called him. Yeah. If it sounds different. Can you tell? It's very. We're anxious. We, we are, yeah. It's like a first date. It really is. I felt really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think? What? what, what what's the closing thoughts?
1: My closing thoughts are I generally think that AI is going to, something bad's going to happen with AI. Like, something terrible is going to happen. As in, nothing bad, but I I genuinely don't see it, but maybe I'm just small brained. Mm -hmm. I don't see it as the big, like, technological advancement that it's made out to be. Like, I do wonder why we are using tech for that. Like, do you remember when... (laughs) This is such a stupid thing to say. Do you remember when they first introduced, like, self-checkouts and everyone went,
2: fucking me <laughs> mental. Went
1: like, everyone literally lost their minds. Mm. But now we're just like, oh, a computer can talk, but it can't actually talk, so let's just, you know, let's just push this down here. But, like, why aren't we giving them just really boring jobs? Like, lots of people want to be a writer. Not many people want to, like, I don't know, draft. I don't know. I don't want to put down anyone's
2: draft. No, no, we don't. But, I mean... The self-checkout thing, they could just get rid of everyone's jobs with them, though, as well. I always feel guilty. I always go and use the person, then I think, do they want me to go to them, or do they would they rather me use the self-checkout? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Basically, there obviously needs to be lots of discussion as to how we use tech. I think, mm. I think, personally, as someone with absolutely no experience as a screenwriter, but I would like to, oy, oy, Hello, oy. No. no experience as a screenwriter, is that what it seems like is that the industry has been so behind on so many other technological advancements mm. that it's trying to get ahead on this one without knowing how it will play out, which isn't bad. Like, right, it should secure as many rights as they can before it gets bad. Yeah. If it does. But I just feel like we might all be a bit, like... Oh, I remember that summer we were all obsessed with GBT and then we never used it again. Yeah, it's like fucking. What's that smart friend? What was it that was on MSN? Smart child. Smart child. <laughs> we literally had this twelve years ago. A smart child. We literally did.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Mm, I, I feel. I feel very one of two ways because I feel like such like a like an analog person. Like, is that what the word is when you like want to do things in life? Like, whenever I go into a restaurant, there's QR code. I would, I would catch me never using a QR code. I was going to Madeline at Jean the other day because we went into a bar and she was like, I'll just use a QR code. I was like, no, you should come speak to a real person. Then she went up to the bar and they were like, can you use a QR code, please? But I just think like, I am against it, but then I'm all for it as well. It's going to make people's jobs easier. We need responsible, responsible Digitization, yes. I suppose yeah. and that's obviously what the strikers are trying to do so I support it. But you said this as well when we did the AI selfies one that there should have been this should have been conversation 10 years ago, there should have been a standardised minimum wage, it should have been like before this was put, before these things appeared there should have already been something put in place to ensure that people had job security Universal income now, that I think good.
1: ultimately if like an AI can write a shitty Netflix film that then some of them go in and script edit make the mm-hmm. same money they would have gone from writing it I want to see everyone's lives being easier. And I just don't, like, obviously the the world bends towards exploitation. Mm. So we need to ensure that that's not the case, which is what's happening. So we need to exploit the machines,
2: not let them exploit us. Uh, Yeah. No, I think that, but I think what you said is probably what's going to happen. Like a computer will, you know, whiz up a little script and then someone will go in and humanise it. Yeah. But they need to get paid for that. (laughs) We support the strike, join a union.
1: And I, I also one thing I haven't seen, which I would like to hear from anyone who knows, is like, how do you actually support the writers' strike? Like, how do you
2: support it? Go out into the street with, a, with a us in
1: London. <laughs> yeah, go well, <I> to <laughs> fucking
2: Elm Street or whatever it's called.
1: <laughs> <laughs> go outside where they're filming Wicked.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ariana, what are you doing here? Go outside of this morning building with the (laughs) start protesting about Phil. They're all protesting something else. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's another episode. Maybe me and I only should do a morning television episode. (sighs) Put all the morning television drama. (sighs) If you don't live in the UK, you probably don't know know what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you, Eden. Thanks, I know. Thank you to the (laughs) listeners. Um, thank you to Olivia for editing. Thank you to Gina and Gina, Charlotte, Grace, Hattie and Misha. We'll see you next week. Bye Bye bye. Bye.